We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest is Shamika Young, VP and Global Head of Diversity and Inclusion at Cognizant since July 2020, which means that she joined Cognizant in the midst of a global pandemic that disproportionately affected women and racial minorities, as well as the uprising against racial injustice in the U.S. This garnered global momentum, and it's fortunate that she's a part of the organization. Shamika is responsible for driving a more integrated global and regional approach to diversity and inclusion through data insights across the company's experience, incorporating clients for a broader impact. She has more than 20 years of professional services experience. Prior to Cognizant, Shamika spent 14 years in Accenture's communication and high-tech industry with a specialized focus in the network practice. While there, she led strategic and technical consulting programs for multinational corporations, She also supported regional diversity and inclusion initiatives across the central region to retain women and minorities. Jamika serves as the Texas regional advisor and sponsor within Cognizant's Women Empowered Affinity Group. External to Cognizant, Jamika just completed her term as the chapter advisor for Women in Cable Telecommunications, WICT, Greater Texas. Go WICT! For clients, Shamika leads working sessions to promote and engage the underrepresented groups and the broader corporate inclusion. Shamika is a graduate of the University of Texas and lives in Dallas, where she serves her local charities. She's an advocate and an ally for diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Welcome to ROG, Shamika. Thank you so much, Shannon. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm grateful that you're here and can't wait to hear more of your story. So let's talk about you. Give us give us some highlights of the Shamika story. Yeah, just starting off, I'm a Texas native. I grew up in kind of the rural parts of Texas, small town, 100,000 people. But I always desired the ability to connect with different individuals. I traveled a lot really started to focus on technology as my grounding. So management information services, coding, comp sci, all of those things were extremely interesting to me as as just kind of growing up and moving into that tech world. And so that's how I kind of got started into the consulting space, which just gave me a lot of diversity in capability and services. And then I started to expand into diversity of people and initiatives and how we can drive a more inclusive environment. That's fantastic. And Cognizant is such a good fit for you because the organization is so committed to doing what's right, including becoming a founding member of the World Economic Forum Coalition to tackle racism in the workplace. That's the first I had heard about that. Could you tell us more about that? WEF is a wonderful organization that helps us think through corporate challenges on a global level. What I thought was really important and key within the World Economic Forum's coalition specifically for racial justice is that with the momentum and the challenge of 2020, certainly the George Floyd murder and what continued as global protest, right? So it started in the U.S., but we saw it expand globally. I think WEF has done a good job of recognizing we're at a point in time in history where things can be different. 
And it's not just a U.S. specific thing. It is global. Racism does exist globally. And so they thought it was critical to evaluate what we can do from some of the top corporations to actually eliminate the systemic process. How can we be more just in bringing in the right talent and then helping that talent grow and expand? How can we be more just in supporting the communities? So I really thought that was a great opportunity for Cognizant to become a founding member, leverage the partnerships and and allies amongst that group, but learn and accelerate this very quickly. How do we solve this problem? I mean, we, we almost cannot go too fast in trying to solve these issues within the business world. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful that it's specifically focusing on racism in the workplace, because as you've written in some of your blogs, if the population at Cognizant takes this seriously, that ripple effect would be exponential. So if you take Cognizant times all of these other large corporations, that's a great way to get more momentum and more progress. And there are requirements for organizations to participate in this program, one of which is that racial and ethnic equity must be placed at the board's agenda. So they're really specific about what they're requiring companies to do. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is some of our listeners are working for organizations that may want to participate in this, or perhaps they could take a page out of that playbook and implement some of these same criteria. The fact that they are being intentional about the steps is what really kind of piqued my interest in it. And the fact that we have to make commitments that then we follow up on. A board agenda item is significant. An executive committee item is significant. And so I certainly would encourage companies that are considering tackling these type of issues to determine where is that level of commitment across the organization? Can they raise it to the board? That's something everyone can do. So everybody take a look at that. There's more information in the show notes. And so have you seen any shift in how well things are going at Cognizant because of this affiliation with the World Economic Forum or you know, how are you seeing some of the progress already? For Cognizant, I think with our leadership team and our board, diversity and inclusion overall is extremely important for us. And last year, we actually identified rolling out the Rooney Rule, which is a rule that actually started in the NFL. It started with the Steelers. I'm actually a Cowboys fan, so I had to kind of get over that. But it started with the real good intention of we have to expand the population of general manager jobs, coaching jobs to not only be who we're accustomed to or leaning into that affinity bias, but expanding it to have more diverse candidate slates. And so as that example, Cognizant last year started employing and implementing the Rooney Rule. And what that meant for us specifically was evaluating opportunities to bring in diverse talent for each of our our job opportunities and roles, not only having a more expansive, diverse slate of candidates, but also having more expansive, diverse interview panels. So as you can imagine, as a Black woman, if I show up and I only interview with men or just no one like me in the mix, I'm going to have some hesitation on, is that company trying to be inclusive or not? And so I think we've made those shifts and we've seen some immediate you know, improvements in our gender and our ethnic populations just based on aligning the right people to the discussions. So when you're putting a panel together, you're looking at the potential interviewers and you're making sure that the slate of panelists are diverse. 
Absolutely. So we look at not only the technical skills or professional skills that are needed, but also the mix of backgrounds. Do we have diverse backgrounds that are representative of the company within that panel? We've even taken it further for the jobs that are at the vice president and above level. Each of our executive committee members reviews those diverse candidate slates to ensure that they are diverse before continuing and proceeding with the hiring process. So some might think that it actually slows down the process, but what we've seen is it just pushes us faster to say, are we evaluating all of our talent options? How do we expand this to include more talent within this pool? Does that also include individuals who are up for promotion? So for promotional opportunities internally? Yeah, so that's a great question. The way that we were looking at Rooney Rule initially was starting with external hiring. One of the things that that I think we've done very well since the the launch of our official DNI function is we've integrated ourselves within the talent and transformation leg of the organization. And so what that means is as we look at the employee experience from attract to all the way through engagement and retention with that talent development and that talent management piece around performance evaluation, promotion evaluation. We're using data to help us understand how different individuals and different demographics experience our organization. And so as part of that, we do evaluate and use the Rooney Rule internally as well as externally. That's fantastic. Speaking of diversity internally, many organizations have employee resource groups or business resource groups. So how have you worked with the ERGs, as they're often referred to, to be in sync with the Cognizant DNI vision? That is a great question around the, the ERGs. And so at Cognizant, we refer to them as our affinity groups. We have six primary affinity groups. We have the African-American Latinx focused on Black and Latinx talent. We have our Women in Power. We have our Unite, which is focused on persons with disabilities as well as caregivers and allies. We also have our Embrace organization, which is focused on LGBTQ. We have our Veterans organization, which is U.S. veterans primarily. And then we have our Pan-Asian group as well, um, which is one of our newer organizations. And so For us, it is really about expanding the allyship within those groups, but also giving that talent pool an opportunity to come together as a smaller group and have their own connections. And so certainly last year was a tough year for Black and Latinx individuals. We took this opportunity to hear them out, to listen, to engage, to create more opportunities for allyship, to create more opportunities for sponsorship. Because what we know is that if we listen to people, they'll actually tell us what they need and give us the guidance to be better companies, to be better stewards of our phenomenal talent. During Black History Month, we had intersectional discussions of Black veterans or Black LGBTQ individuals. We had within our month of June for Embrace, we had more intersectional discussions and engagement. I think Cognizant truly has done a good job in drawing those connections of the affinity groups, the foundation and the corporation and bringing that all together to show up not only for our people, but also for our clients and our communities. 
um, bringing that together has been really a lot of that due to feedback and guidance and recommendations from our affinity groups. So really listening to them, hearing what they want to celebrate, hearing where they're feeling held back or invisible and trying to create solutions for that. And then also for them to be able to highlight and tell the broader organization, here are the things that we need, or here are things that we perceive as being unjust or something that we want to bring to your attention. For individuals who are participating in your affinity groups, what are the, what's the role that they play and how, can, how have you seen allies be really effective? For our allies that join those groups, and we've actually seen a significant increase in allyship across the company starting last year, what we ask them to first do is just come and listen, right? So it's a come and listen, don't immediately try to fix anything. Even the most inclusive person may not know about another aspect, right, of diversity. So they may be extremely inclusive when it comes to you know, being an Asian American and understanding, you know, that plight and challenge, but they may not know the specifics of, well, what is a person with disability? How do they function? You know, what are the challenges that they see day to day? And so we ask all of our allies to come and listen. We have additional guides and and training that that we do for people as well that they can self-select into, but it is about listening. It's about having empathy. It's about creating the space for others to talk, but also to start to feel comfortable to ask questions. Our affinity groups are are absolutely an opportunity for people to be seen. And so our allies join those groups, they lean into them, and then they take their learnings back to their day-to-day job so that they can ask themselves the next time something happens, you know, was that a bias? Was that something, you know, I wasn't really aware of before, but now I'm considering things that I've never thought of before. That's such a good point, Shamika. And I think that's a great thing for us to hear and internalize is that all of us are on a journey and there's no one of us who knows everything about every experience for every group that exists in this world. That's just not possible. So I think that's such a great call to action is that there's nobody who's arrived yet or we're not done yet, right? I I know I I can speak for myself. I'm far from done. And I find myself on this journey and kind of going back and forth. Like Jennifer Brown wrote this great book about how to be an inclusive leader, right? And I just see myself on her continuum all the time. She's going to be a guest in a couple of weeks. And it's, it's a great visualization of like, you know, it's not an end point. It's a continuum. And so where have you experienced someone being an ally or a sponsor for you in your career? How have you personally identified with this? I remember once within an organization, I was transferring to a different location. My husband's job changed and it was always uncomfortable movement anyway, right? You just, you're, you're moving from somewhere and you have a lot to get going. One of the partners that I worked with uh, reached out to one of the other partners in the Chicago area. We were moving from from Dallas to Chicago and said, hey, you you have to have her on your team. I don't I I know we have some challenges with making room for people, but she is one you have to have. And so just having those activities happen behind the scenes and having people step up for you when you're not in the room is extremely significant. I've had many leaders within Cognizant here that have tapped me on the shoulder to be engaged in a discussion that you see the discussion pop up and it's like, oh, how did I get selected for that, right? That's sponsorship, that's allyship. 
those things don't happen in many cases. You know, we can do great work, but someone still has to often select you or pull you into that exposure that may not exist. Yes. On that point, real quick, do you ask for a sponsor? Do you earn a sponsor? How does that happen? So I have learned in my years to ask because (laughs) there's a quote that one of my um, college roommates would always say was closed mouths don't get fed. It sounds like a country kind of quote or something, but I think that's true about business. In many cases, if we just do the good work, but without asking for the help or the sponsorship or the awareness or exposure that we need, we can still do great work, but we won't maybe elevate as much as we desire to. We won't change and grow and stretch as much as we desire to. So I've learned to ask. In some cases, there were people that were identified, but I've also learned to become a sponsor for people that did not ask me, but I saw that there was an opportunity to jump in and and help because I'd been down that path before. And so maybe they didn't feel comfortable asking, but I knew I could help solve the problem for them. And so I think as leaders, that, that does give us the flexibility to actively do that, be proactive about it instead of wait for the ask. When we come back, Shamika will share with us about Juneteenth. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit QODPOD.com and meet our podcasters. That's QODPOD.com. And we're back with more Shamika Young. So Shamika, Cognizant has committed more than 5 million to serve communities of color and implement flexible work policies and accommodate new working environments and reminds associates very often of their roles as allies and change makers. You've also begun observing Juneteenth as a holiday that it has not yet been declared as a national holiday. I know the state of Texas celebrates it as a state holiday since 1980. But can you tell us about your experiences celebrating Juneteenth? So for Juneteenth, growing up in Texas, Juneteenth happened here. It's one of those things that was really interesting in 2020 to see such a national stage around Juneteenth because it really happened in Texas. And so for those that aren't that familiar with it, in 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and uh, slaves were freed. It took two years, 1865, June 19th of 1865, for the slaves in Texas, which was the westernmost Confederate state, to actually be informed that they were free. So the Union soldiers came into Galveston Bay down toward the bottom of Texas, around the Gulf, and pretty much told the slaves that they were free at that point. For us in Texas, we've always known it. So it was a little bit odd when other people didn't know it. But in the last year, more people became aware of what it is. So one of the things that I look at with Juneteenth is the fact that while people need to understand it, celebrate or not celebrate, I mean, that that falls on you. But we need to understand the history behind so many things in our culture that we don't know. Most African-Americans know it, 
but most non-African Americans don't, right? Most majority people didn't know anything about it. And so taking the time to educate ourselves around the history that hasn't been written for a good percentage of the people is something that I would advise all colleagues, all individuals to spend more time doing. Because if we can focus on the history that wasn't written so that we can have a complete view, then it just gives us a greater opportunity to recognize all of the value that multiple cultures within the U.S. actually brought to bear. Having more rich history of what really existed versus kind of the snippets of what existed, I think were extremely valuable. Absolutely. You wrote a blog last year called Making Juneteenth Count, and that blog will be in the show notes for everybody to enjoy. And you talk about how you celebrated Juneteenth your whole life and how this was a cause for a celebration that you and your family and your community enjoyed. Help us be there with you. Like, what was that like or what is it like for you? So celebrating Juneteenth is just about recognition, right? It's about recognition that some things have changed along the way. It's about recognition of talent and contributions to the U.S., to society. It's about being able to spend time just, you know, together amongst like affinity people, right? It's it's being able to just kind of celebrate things when sometimes it, it it's hard to celebrate. So I think Juneteenth has become more of that recognition, I think, honestly, last year because of George Floyd, but it brought people into a new awareness that there's so many things historically that have happened in the U.S., and we have a great opportunity to build upon the significance of those things in recognizing the talent and the capabilities of a group of people that maybe have been marginalized. And so even after, you know, if you look at the 1865 date of when Juneteenth happened, and then how long it actually took African-Americans to be able to get recognition or to, you know, to be able to properly vote, right? If you think about our, our veterans that supported World War, you know, the World War I, World War II, that then still couldn't come back and vote, right? But they had fought across the world. Those are things that I think people have to draw the connection. So while I think Juneteenth is a really good point in time, I would encourage people to take it a step further to say, what happened after that? All of these people that were disenfranchised that then, you know, they were free. What were they then free to do with what tools and supplies or capabilities or money or no money, right? Like, how could they actually move this forward? Um, so for us, it's a, you know, it is a celebration of, recognize progress, but recognize there's more work to do. So spend time together. I know last year we watched a couple of movies together. I always try to, my husband and I spend time with our son so that he can, you know, based on age appropriateness, right, we can share different movies and things. We watched Hidden Figures, which is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal movie. And so just spending time to recognize that there's talent. That's excellent. And thank you for inviting us into that, because I think it's, a way to be intentional, like your blog says, make it count. How do we make it count? How do we treat it as the holiday that it is? And that is for African-Americans and non-African-Americans to celebrate it as a holiday, to invest time in learning more about Black history, to watch movies like Selma, or you say Hidden Figures, or 13th, and to read books like Just Mercy, or, or you know, there'll be a whole host of 
resources in the show notes that people can participate in because Juneteenth is this Saturday, June 19th, 2021. And it's the word June and 19th combined so that you don't ever forget it. And for us to be activists and to engage in this. Yeah, that's right. Read some Black history, learn some things that maybe you would never have had exposure to before. One of the mantras I try to live by is, you know, in all things, seek an understanding. Because we may think that we know something, but until we actually put in the effort to learn it, and to really put in the work to, to read about it, to ask questions, to ask others, um, then we really don't know. And we certainly don't know someone else's perspective. And sometimes with history, it just depends on which history book you received, right? Or did your parents supplement your history with something else? I would say a lot of African-Americans, they've had their history supplemented uh, by their parents so that they could actually see value in themselves. Because if you grow up not ever seeing positive history, right, we all know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but other than a few people like that, most people don't know anyone else. And I would say most white Americans don't know anyone else of African-American history. And so just spending the time to learn and grow is just so extremely valuable. Absolutely. And I trust that all of our listeners are going to set themselves up for a celebration on Saturday and, and really invest in the celebration and the what's next. How are we all taking a position and being an ally and an advocate for the growth that still is necessary for us to see true justice and equality? So at the end of every episode, we offer everyone an ROG takeaway tip recommendations for how they can apply what they've learned to their own work and lives, ways in which we can take some of this wisdom and say, okay, so what can I do? And one of the things I'll start us off with, you wrote in a blog and you, what you wrote here is change starts with empathy. We need to hear each other's stories and we need to be aware. We don't all start out in the same place, become an ally. So I think that's one thing all of us can do is start with empathy and become an ally. What are other recommendations you have for our listeners for ways that they can implement some of what you've been sharing? We need to talk, right? We need to talk. We need to meet other people, but we have to find the opportunity to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It is just, it's, it's you know, as a DNI lead, right? I have many uncomfortable conversations, but it's those uncomfortable conversations that help us all to stretch and grow. And so I think the more we can take stock of what am I doing? What can I do differently? Ask for feedback. If you actually ask for honest, open feedback and, and preface yourself by when you ask the feedback, just don't plan to respond. You can actually make the most change. But if you don't think about, you know, not responding, you'll undoubtedly respond on the defensive because we all do. It's a it's human nature. But ask for open feedback from your teams, from colleagues, from people that you trust, but create new relationships, advance new conversations. Right. And so, you know, if you're trying to reach people that you've never reached before, go to different places. That is brilliant. Go to different places, join different groups 
ask for feedback and just listen. Maybe a good question could be, what is one thing I could do to be a better ally? Or what's one thing I could do to be more aware? Because I think this is a great takeaway tip. One activity that we actually do with a lot of leaders to start off, is just the circle of trust. I don't know if you've ever used that one before, but the circle of trust, it's a very quick exercise that you can do where you ask a leader to identify their five to six people in their circle of trust. And then you go down a list of diversity demographics, whether it is gender, religion, socioeconomic status, et cetera. And you ask them to put a check beside the people that have all of the same diversity dimensions as them. What undoubtedly happens with most people is they see that of their circle of trust, they have a lot of people that are similar to them. This is just standard affinity bias. We absolutely all have it. When you grow up a certain way, different from other people, you undoubtedly will have bias. I think with that exercise, that humbling effect of identify and start to recognize your biases, break them down, being conscious of them helps you move forward, right? So it helps you move from that unconscious bias state to intentional conscious inclusion, which is required of all of us if we want everyone to feel included. And so I think that is where we have a lot of one-on-one discussions or small group discussions with our leaders on what they can do to show up differently, remove their bias, be aware, ask questions, but don't respond and try to find a tactical action that they can do. That is helpful and encouraging advice, actions all of us can take. Oh, I so appreciate you making time to share your reflections and your life experience with us. Shamika, thank you for all that you do for Cognizant and with every one of us who is positively impacted by you. Thank you, Shannon. I really appreciated the conversation. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.